Last week we spent some time talking about church as family, and today we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about the church as the body. All right, so uh, as we begin, um, we know from what we talked about last week, the church is intended to be family. That means God has become our father, and we look around at each other, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the eternal family. Um, this family, this is going to rock our worlds a little bit, this family is uh, eternally more significant than your blood earthly families. Right. <laughs> so uh, I think back to what Jesus said, you know, at several different times, it's not that Jesus belittled the value of his earthly family, but he emphasized the value of his eternal family. Over and over and over again, there's a, there's a, a short little passage in Mark chapter 4 where um, his disciples come in while he's teaching and they say, hey, Jesus, you know, your mother and your brothers, they can't get to you. The crowd's so big and they really need to talk to you. They're outside. And Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? But those who do the will of the Father. And what he's saying is, these people here are my family. I understand my mom, Mary's out there, my brothers are out there. They're, they're no less important to me. But these people here are my eternal family. So this body of Christ, this church is an eternal family. We've got to begin to value God's family the same way that Jesus does. Sometimes the church can feel uh, and even act sometimes more like a social club or even like a business. Um, and when we act this way, we are, we're missing the point of what the church is meant to be. Um, you hear things like, well, I'm just not really happy here in, uh, in this church. The, the people are too stiff or everybody seems to have it all together. The music's too old-fashioned or too boring or maybe it's too cool or too rock or too hip or too whatever. Um, and and the, that preacher, well, you know, can't even understand what he's saying. I'm not sure he understands what he's saying. Um, well, <laughs> and so ultimately you get to the point where guess it's time for us to go find another church. What you mean is another social club or another business. Um, is that how family operates? You ever get that frustrated with your family where you're like, well, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to go find new parents or new, new children. Don't answer those questions, okay? <laughs> uh, you probably do. Well, all of us probably do, but is that the way we operate? I mean, do we bail on our earthly family like that? No, we don't, because there's a commitment, a commitment to family. Um, but what we seem to have, especially in the North American church culture, is we have developed and are now catering to a really high level of consumerism. I don't know if you feel that way or if you're aware of it, but... Um, everything we do seems to cater to people so that more people will come. And, and I get it. There's a delicate balance. We, we want to serve and minister to the family that God's given us. We want to make sure we have you know, children's ministry programs that are actually making disciples. And we want to have youth ministry programs that are developing our, our young people and growing them. That's, that's, in, that's important. But what I see a lot of times is that the church has, is operating more like a business. How can we better uh, promote and produce 
so as to build and grow our business. That's not what Jesus has called us to do. He's not called us into consumerism. He's called us into transformation. You know, we we find ourselves thinking more like this. Well, I'm here to be served, and this is just not doing it for me. So I think I'm going to go down to the all-you-can-eat religious buffet down the street and see if I can find something uh, more in line with what I like. You know, they've got, over there, they've got fill-in-the-blank. And we end up thinking more like consumers than contributors. So what I want to talk to us about today is how the body actually functions. The, the body of Christ is meant to function more like contributors than consumers. I mean, think about your own body. Is your hand a contributor or is it a consumer? It is definitely benefiting from the rest of the body, but that hand is blessing the rest of the body all the time. You're all the time using your hand. Many of you right now holding a coffee cup. What if that hand just decided, I'm done with you, right as you go to drink? That would be a problem. Your hand is a contributor. The rest of your body is a contributor. So I want to talk to us today about thinking in terms of the body like the, like the scriptures give us. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, Christianity thinks of human individuals not as mere members of a group or items on a list, but as organs in the body, different from one another and each contributing what no other could. I want you to think about the, the significance of the individual in that regard. There's no other organ in your body that functions like your liver. If your liver quits, you're done. There's no other organ in your body that functions like your lungs. But if your lungs quit, you're done. And we could go on and on with this list. The the significance of the individual is incredibly important. Each individual body part is so significant to the life of the body. So there's there's a significance to the individual. And what C.S. Lewis is saying here is that Christianity thinks of human individuals not as just members of a group, social club, or business, but we think of each other as organs, vital organs in the body. Now here's the thing, though. We cannot reduce the work of the body of Christ merely to what happens in a building on Sundays. And this is where I think a lot of churches uh, are really missing it. Because we want to say to people, listen, you got to plug into the body, so... You know, you need to join our media team or you need to teach a Sunday school class or you need to um, be a part of our worship band or be a deacon or serve in our children's ministry or serve in our nursery. Or, and all of the and only the opportunities we allot are made for Sunday come together service opportunities. Does that make sense? It's, af- it's as if we say we have a body, but it only really does anything one day a week. And we really need you to plug in that one time make sure that that body functions well on Sunday. Don't hear me wrong. We do want the body to function well on Sundays. We do want people serving in all these capacities. Those things are needed, right? And they're important. But what about Monday through Saturday? How do we function as a body all the time? Um, I want us to think, as we talk about the body of Christ, I want us to think about what Jesus did with his earthly body. It's the reason we chose that video is because it just says when Jesus was here, his ears heard the cries of the afflicted. His eyes saw the hurting people. His hands ministered to 
the needs of people. When we think about the earthly body of Jesus, what he did with his body, we should really think of the fact that we are the continuation of that. The body of Christ. We're the continuing hands and feet and presence, physical presence of Jesus Christ. So everything that Jesus did with his body when he was here, we should be continuing to do Monday through Saturday and on Sunday as well. Um, a friend of a friend of mine, so I, I, let me say this way, I got a buddy named Dustin, and uh, he recently relocated to another area, but he was very involved with his church family. He was, he was uh, a servant in the church, and uh, he moved about three hours away, and, and then within a few months, one of his best friends from his previous church um, called him and said, hey man, we just got some terrible news he said, what? He said, you know, Zoe, our daughter, um, has been diagnosed with cancer. Four-year-old little girl. It's a true story. Her name's Zoe. They named her Zoe because she, uh, she just brought life to their family. And, you know, their family had longed for children for a long time. And then here comes this girl. And they said, oh, so this little girl, her name is Zoe. She, that's the Greek word for life. So they named her Zoe. And at four years old, she's diagnosed with a very advanced stage of aggressive kind of cancer. So my friend Dustin, his, his friend called him and said, I've got terrible news, man. I really want you to pray with us. And they talked, they hung up the phone, and Dustin told his wife, and they pulled his, he pulled his kids together, and he said, listen, let's just load up the car, let's pack our bags, let's just drive back and just go be with our friends. So they, they made the trip. They drove back to the hospital. Get, on the way to the hospital, he's making all kinds of calls. He's calling people from their church family. He's like, hey, listen, here's what he discovers. The church family is already at work. They're already trying to put the pieces together of how they can, how they can rally around this family that's hurting. Well, Dustin gets there and he, he sits in the hospital room for several hours just loving on this family, crying with them, just praying with them and talking through it together. Um, well, then he gets a call and somebody else from the church has said, hey, we're putting together a lunch tomorrow and uh, this is just a brainstorming time. We're gonna come together as a group and just see how we, can, how we can be a blessing, how we can be the body to this family. So they, they come together, 40-something people gather for this lunch meeting and they gather around, they're talking about, okay, what can we do? Um, they're gonna be stuck in the hospital for a while. Who's cutting their grass? Who's, uh, who's taking care of paying, making sure their bills are paid? Who's, who's going to take care of getting their other kids now to, to school and to daycare? And who's going to do child care services? And everybody's like, I'll, I'll handle that. And they're taking notes. I'll, I'll take care of that. We've got that. Our family will handle that. We'll, okay, we'll handle that. And they're just passing around, delegating responsibilities, make sure this part of the body is well served. Well, um, in the, just before this gathering, they, they discovered that the doctors came to... Uh, this family and said, hey, listen, um, your insurance stuff has come back and what, we've, what we found out is that they're gonna cover everything except for these um, significant procedures that really um, you need. And if you don't get these procedures, it's pretty certain that Zoe's not gonna make it. And so they find out that after insurance, they're gonna have over $100,000 worth of medical bills that they just don't have the money for. So this little group of 40-something people, they've come together and they... And they just start emptying their pockets and, and they give significantly, but it's nowhere near the need. I mean, it's just a, a drop in the, in the bucket for $100,000. Well, 
And so a small group of them pull together um, and, and they, they schedule a meeting for that night. And it's a, it's a, it's a significant little group, um, each of them with their unique giftings. They pull together uh, a banker, a website developer, a graphic artist, a writer, a video producer, and then Dustin, who's a pretty good communicator. They get together, this little group, and they start brainstorming, okay, what can we do to help tackle this $100,000? Within two days, they created a website, published a quality video that tells Zoe's story filled with pictures and video clips from her at home and playing, and and now some very uh, heart-gripping photos of her in the hospital. And they tell her story and talk about the great need for this family. They publish this video online, and then the body of Christ goes into just overdrive and shares and posts and sends it to friends and it gets all around the world and within two weeks they had had raised over $75,000. Isn't that amazing? I'm blown away. This is a real story. It's just happened not long ago. I'm blown away at what the body of Christ is able to accomplish when we function, each of us, in our role. I mean, I think about the specific roles that each of these people are playing and how each of them when they come together when they serve when they work boom the body of Christ is incredibly efficient for the glory of Christ and for the benefit of the body so with all of that in mind let's take our Bibles and read one of the passages that talks about the body of Christ Romans chapter 12 will you stand with me as we honor God's word together In Romans chapter 12, I want to just begin at the beginning and read through verse 8. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your individual bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. And the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. And we'll stop there. God, please help us today to discover our place in the body, our role in the body of Christ, to, um, to develop our our gifts that you've given to us to uh, plug into the body and be a blessing to those around us and to our world. God, help each of us today 
to present our own individual bodies as living sacrifices and then to find our place in the collective body of Christ for your glory uh, right here and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you'd be seated. So what would God do with Mountain View Church if each of us were doing our part What would God do at MVC if each of us were doing our part? Each of us doing our part cannot be limited to launching and maintaining great Sunday services or programs like we've talked about. Those are great things, and we've got to invest deeply in them. But this body cannot thrive in kingdom work if we're only a Sunday body. We must be family, and we must be family all week long, every day. We must function like body, just like your body functions. The scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, it says, so that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. If we're not loving one another like a family, this isn't what happens. If we're not loving and acting like a family that is the body of Christ... When one member suffers, we might feel pity, but we don't jump to action. Or maybe when one member is honored, rather than rejoicing with them, we envy them and wonder, why am I not being honored? When we're not family, when we're not a body, we we don't suffer well together and we don't rejoice well together. But when we are the body of Christ, both of those things happen to the glory of Christ. So my goal today is not to get you to do everything, but to get everybody doing something. Every member of the body has something to offer, something God-given that benefits the whole body and helps this church accomplish its mission. In the human body, if any part stops working, it can actually become unhealthy to the rest of the body. Think about it. If one of your organs within you just dies and stops functioning you're probably going to have to have surgery pretty soon to have that thing removed. If any part of the body of Christ stops functioning, it's actually unhealthy to the body. It's damaging to the body. So there should be no one in this body that's not contributing. So I want to ask you personally, think personally about you. No one else in the room, just you. Are you presenting your body as a living sacrifice as a part of the greater body of Christ. So as you do that, people are usually in one of three spots with that. You're in one of three little zones. So let me talk through these really quickly. You possibly are in the panic zone. All right, so here's what I mean by that. Um, You are overwhelmed. You're working in an area that's outside your area of expertise, or maybe it's just outside your passions. Like you're doing something you don't really like. You don't want to do it. You don't love it. Um, you're overwhelmed. You can't wait for this thing to be over. You've never, maybe, uh, maybe you're looking at me and you're like, well, I've never been in the panic zone. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, well, come finish my sermon. I'll sit down. That would probably do it, right? All right, because more than likely, public speaking or preaching is not your spot. Okay, and if you're put in a spot that's not your spot, it's panic zone. Okay, so... If you're not in the panic zone, you might be at risk of being in the boring zone. And here's what that looks like. You're underused. 
You're bored out of your mind. You're doing something that's well beneath your skill set, your abilities. Maybe not beneath, that's the wrong term. It's just, it's not what you were made to do. But you're doing something that you feel like, you know, I'm just not hitting on all cylinders. What I want to tell you is that this will drain the life out of you. You'll feel, you'll feel more exhausted after doing something lesser than you would if you were doing something that God made you to do that was really hard. You ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? This is the boring zone. And what I want to talk to us about today is how do you find your sweet spot? This is the third spot. This is the place that's somewhere between boring and panic. It's like, it's what God has made you to do. And the beauty is he's made all of us to do something uniquely. Every one of us in this room, and we have a variety of gifts, none of them less important than the other. We have people in here who are teachers and bankers and lawyers and doctors and stay-at-home moms and dads and students. There's nothing that God can't use, you in particular, for His glory. And I want to help you to discover your sweet spot. Because when you discover your place, you'll realize, oh, I'm a, I'm a hand. I, I really shouldn't be working like an ear. Or I'm a nose. I really shouldn't be operating like a toe. I should be a nose. I'm meant to do that job. I'm meant to serve in this way. So I want to help you discover your sweet spot. Do you know what yours is? Or are you in the panic zone? Are you in the boring zone? Or, but do you know what your sweet spot is? Romans 12.1 says that each of us are to present our bodies our individual bodies as living sacrifices. And in verse 5 it says, So we, though many, there are many bodies now being presented, we are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So there's an individual aspect to this and a collective aspect. There's an individual burden, an individual responsibility that that you may have that I cannot bear. Here's the thing we've got to grasp is that you're made specifically to do something that I'm not made to do. I'm made specifically to do something that you're not made to do. And when we function like we're supposed to, it builds up the body. I want you to take your Bibles and look with me um, to Ephesians chapter 4. There's another passage where Paul writes about Um, the body of Christ functioning effectively together. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 15, Paul writes and he says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So this body has a head and it is Christ. Verse 16, From whom... The whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, that's me and you, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do you see that? I mean, it's just very simple, right? The illustration is very simple. When the body is functioning properly, the whole body grows. The whole body is enriched and develops and grows in love. Love. No one person among us is meant to do it all. 
That's the thing behind the consumeristic variety of Christianity is it drives us into a a business-type model where we have a CEO that everything lands on the CEO and his, his, uh, his next layer of leaders. Everything lands on them. And the Bible doesn't present that model to us. It tells us you're not a business with a CEO. You're, you're a body. And by the way, the CEO, the head of this body, is not you. It's not any of you. It's Christ And each of you play a very significant role, but none of you are the head. Christ is the head. But we function as a body, not a business. Each one of us is specifically shaped for God's mission as a particular part of Christ's body. So I want to ask us some very practical questions. One in particular. Do you know your shape? When I talk about shape, I'm using an acronym that I heard years ago from Rick Warren. Rick Warren says there are five things that shape every person. And these five things will help you determine how you best fit in the body. So I want to give you these five things. They're very helpful. If you're writing things down, this is a good good spot. Okay? Do you know your shape? S-H-A-P-E. Here they are. Your spiritual gifts. Do you know your spiritual gifts? A lot of people think you can discover these taking a, a spiritual gifts inventory, taking some kind of test. That can be helpful, but I, I'm going to tell you that's probably not the best way. Um, your spiritual gifts are the gifts that God has given to you when he gave you his Holy Spirit. When you were saved, God gave you his spirit and he gave you gifts to do what he's called you to do. He gave you supernatural abilities to do what he's called you to do. And there's a lot of detail about spiritual gifts in the Bible. You can read them. I'll give you three texts in particular. Romans 12 is one. 1 Corinthians 12 is another. And Ephesians 4 is another. Okay, that's three that would be very helpful as you talk about spiritual gifts. But here's what we're asking here. What am I gifted to do? If God is the giver, what has he given to me that blesses the body? That's S, spiritual gifts. H is heart. And here we're not asking what what am I gifted to do. We're asking what do I love to do? What are you passionate about? What do you enjoy? And here's the crazy thing. These things are all working together. So if you think you have a particular spiritual gift, but you hate using it, that's probably not your gift. All right? If you hate teaching, you're probably not gifted as a teacher. If you hate Fill in the blank. That's probably not your spiritual gift. These things work together. So your heart is what do you love to do? We're talking about your passions, your emotion. What, what's driving you? What, what's that thing that just keeps you going? That's your heart. God has given you a unique heart. It's not like mine. You're passionate about things I'm not passionate about. That's the way we're intended. So S-H, now A, your abilities. What are you naturally good at? What are you naturally good at? Um, I can't help but think through my own children as I think through these things because my kids are uh, seven, five, and two, and they're just very different. I don't know about you, but uh, your kids, if they're, if they're different, mine, mine are very different. Uh, my oldest daughter is athletic. She's got this athletic little body, and she's, she took gymnastics for a little while, and it just bored her. She was very good, uh, but the, uh, the instructor was like, she's a natural. You ever heard something like that? Well... What are you naturally gifted to do? My, my middle child, Reagan, um, not athletic 
at least not so far. <laughs> She's only five, so that may happen. Um, but this is the best little friend maker I've ever seen in my life. She's just, every time we go to the park, she runs over with some little strange kid holding her hands and be like, Daddy, I made a best friend. And, and that little girl's happy about it. I, you know, it's amazing. She's the best little friend maker I've ever seen. She's my little evangelist, I think. Um, what are you naturally good at? What are your abilities? God's given you some natural things. I don't know what they are. You do. S-H-A, now P, your personality. What makes you, you? Um, some people are numbers people. They think very, you know, strategically concrete. They're all about, you know, the facts. And other people are more abstract. Some people are very introverted. You know, they're quiet. They're to themselves. Other people, bubbly, extroverted, out there. Some people, you know, quiet thinkers. They process information. And then others are just, it seems like they're not thinkers at all. They just go. Right? Just go in and do it. What's your personality? Here's the crazy thing. You are uniquely you. And you are intentionally uniquely you. And lastly, your experiences. So shape your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and then your experiences. So all of your experiences serve to shape who you are as a person. Your job experiences, your family experiences, your education, your spiritual experiences... And then here's probably the biggest one, your painful experiences. It's amazing how these painful experiences God intends to use sometimes more than any of the other ones. Um, uh, Rick Warren says this, and I think this is beautiful. He says, God never wastes a hurt. It's amazing how if you would ever be vulnerable with the pains and hurts that you have, you'll find that that's one of the best ways to connect with the heart of another person. Because they hurt too. And all of us do. So what are your hurts? What, what are the things about your story that God could use for his glory? This is what your shape is. Have you discovered yourself? I want to ask you to do these things. Discover yourself. And here's how we do this. Uh, um, Stephen and some others, we meet with them on Thursdays. And we talk through the message a little bit. And, and very helpful this Thursday, Stephen comes back up and he's talking to me. He's like, hey, we need to, we need to be very practical. I think people really need to know like, how they can figure out what, what their gift is, what their place is. So hopefully this is helpful. Um, practical things. What do you enjoy doing? This is simple. And I, let me be clear about this too, okay? Um, because just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not your thing. For example... I've tried to use that before um, in my house that I don't, I don't like cleaning the bathroom. So I just don't love scrubbing the toilet. I don't know about you. But it's still my thing. I still, I don't like taking the garbage out. still my thing. Don't like cutting the grass. Actually, that's kind of grown on me. It's a quiet place for me. <laughs> but it's my thing. So joy is one of those things. I want you to find joy. You need to find joy in what you're doing, but don't let that be the only determining factor. The other thing is what are you good at? What makes you happy? And what are you good at? Um, so if um, you just love to sing, but no one loves to listen to it, <laughs> probably that's not your shape, okay? Or if you just love fill in the blank, but no one else really appreciates that thing, it's probably not your shape. So that's the last thing I would tell you is, uh, well, well, 
two more quick things. Um, the body of Christ is intended to affirm your gift. So as you begin to do your thing, whatever it is, people around you are going to be like, man, that is really blessing me. When you do, th- I love that you're doing that. That's such a blessing to the body. They'll affirm it, or maybe they'll say, hey, it's so great you're wanting to do something. <laughs> maybe something else is a good option. So hopefully they're kind, and that's the way they'll go about that. But you say, I don't know, I don't know how to discover that. How do I discover it? And here's what I would say. Say yes more often. Just try some things. Jump out there and do something. You see something needs to be done, jump out there and do it. Go for it. Hey, you know, Barry, do you guys mind if I do this? Yeah, go, go for it. That'd be great. Just jump out there and say yes a little more often. You may discover you hate that. That's okay. Somebody else will love it. So discover yourself, discover your shape, and then dedicate yourself. This this passage in Romans 12 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice. So here's the thing, dedicate yourself to him, not for yourselves. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says that uh, Jesus has rescued us so that we no longer live for ourselves, but the one who's died and risen again. We're not living for ourselves anymore, but for him. Dedicate yourself to God. And then develop yourself. You know, gifts are like muscles. They gotta be worked. If they're not worked, they'll only be as good as they are today. But tomorrow, they're meant to be better and stronger. If you're an athlete, you know what I'm talking about. There's training, there's involvement, there's an investment into your gift. You might be naturally good at baseball, but you've got to get out there with some discipline and develop your gifting. So develop yourself. That might mean for you digging in the Word of God. It might mean for you uh, taking on a little bit of coaching. Hey, do you think I'm doing a good job at this? Are there ways that I could do better? And receive that with humility. Discover yourself, dedicate yourself, develop yourself, and lastly, deploy yourself. Just get out there and do what God has made you to do. So last thing, and I'm finished. I want to encourage us in three ways. If the body of Christ is a body, commit to the body. Commit to the body. Paul starts this passage by saying, in view of God's mercy. What he means by that is, when you keep it in view that God has rescued you, you didn't deserve it, but he's rescued you, what better thing is there for you to commit to? People say to me all the time, I think, I think church people have commitment issues. And I don't, I don't think so. I don't think we have commitment issues I believe we have idolatry issues. Hear me out. We're very committed. We just love the wrong things. We're very committed to the things we love. Jesus is just not our supreme love. So I want to call us to commit to the body of Christ. And what that's going to mean for a lot of us is laying down some idols. Commit to the body of Christ, let's go all in with Jesus and we'll see him do incredible things. Commit to the body, connect to, or connect in the body. So imagine a jigsaw puzzle. We've got this incredible jigsaw puzzle 
but one big piece is missing. We get the whole thing put together, we get it framed, we put it up on a wall. What does everybody notice? That hole, right? I mean, you can't help it. There's a hole there. Somebody's not in their spot. Somebody's missing the sweet spot. We don't know where they're at. That's what the body of Christ is like. And if you're not connected, you're no good to the body. If my hand were lying over there, it would be no good to the rest of my body. It must be connected to the body. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 18 through 20. Help us to see this a little clearer. So let me just read just a, a moment of this. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 18 through 20 says, uh, says this. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So as we are each individual parts, we must come together to be one. Connect in the body, and then lastly, contribute to the body. Contribute to the body. So you invest in the things that matter most to you. We all do. So what investment are you making into Mountain View Church? I'm not just talking about financial investments. In fact, more so I'm talking about how have you, as a member of this body, contributed in such a way that if you weren't here, we would really miss it. If you weren't here with us, would somebody go, hey, um, something's not being done. What contribution are you making? So let me ask it this way. Are you an administrative person? Are you a, a front, out front kind of leader type person? Are you good at guiding people? Are you good at helping, helping people realize their goals? Maybe you're a strong background servant. You don't want to be in the limelight. You just like getting stuff done. Um, maybe, maybe you're constantly dreaming uh, uh, visions about what MVC could be doing and ways we could be doing amazing things together. Maybe you're a dreamer. I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe you're a great friend maker like my daughter. Or maybe you're, you're a lover of people. You, people just gravitate toward you because they feel loved and they want to be with you. Maybe you're deep in God's word. You're studying the meanings of words and the history behind the passages. You're a teacher. Are you contributing However God has shaped you, you're meant to uniquely feel a place in the body. And I want to call each of us to commit, to connect, and to contribute to this body of Christ. It takes each of us doing our part. You're needed in this church. Every part is important. You wouldn't look down at your foot and tell it to get lost because it's not a hand. Every part of this body is important. You're needed, but needed for what? So this is how we started. Um, you're not just needed to put together a great Sunday morning. When we come together, what is it we're aiming to accomplish? And let me remind you, we don't exist just to, especially not to have a super polished Sunday event. We exist to push back darkness out there. Not just make the light brighter in here. 
We want to see fewer broken homes, fewer fatherless children, fewer hungry, homeless, and poor. We want to see hope restored to people who've lost all their hope. We want to see the lowly among us lifted up. The undereducated and jobless given training and opportunities for brighter days and brighter futures. Most of all, we want to see all people within our ever-expanding reach shown the love of Christ and told the truth about Jesus, that He is the only way to God. We want to create the space for faith. And that means each of us doing our specific shaped part. The MVC body of Christ aims to glorify God by literally being the hands and the feet of Christ and his voice in this wilderness declaring Jesus is the only way. We want to do not just an Aniston or Callum County sized dream. We want to do global sized dreams. That's why we're touching places like Lebanon and Haiti and UAB's campus and other, other great missions and ministries. And I hope we continue and expand our missional outreach. NBC is actually a very generous church. We give a considerable, considerable amount um, to these efforts. And our elders are actually praying right now about how we can begin to shift even more of God's money toward kingdom work. We aren't dreaming so small that we want to be a mega church here in this community. That's not our goals. We don't just want to be a megachurch in this community. We want to be the body of Christ and the kingdom of God for the whole world. We've got to start thinking bigger than just what's happening here in this building on a Sunday. When this body functions, each one of us, according to our specific part, we can impact the globe with the gospel of Jesus. Do you believe that? Yes. So in order to reach any of these goals, we need dreamers, we need entrepreneurs, we need administrators, we need financial experts and legal experts, we need planners and workers. We need you and you and you and you. And it will take all of us working together as one body. We're the family, we're the body of Christ. And in Christ, we can do great things for his great glory. So I'm urging you, commit, connect contribute to this body for the glory of our great God. Amen? Amen. Jesus, we want to exalt the head of this body today. It is all about you. Now help us, Lord, to do our part to make much of Christ. You must increase, we must decrease. I pray for each person in this room that we would discover our shape and find our place. 